It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on. Yeah, you talked to me, you told me that this is one of your top five bands of all time, which is, which is saying something. So why don't you kind of tell me and tell the good people, there are three or four other listeners, why love, <laughs> love, is, love is in your top five? Um, there's something magical about them, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it's magic mixed with sort of like, it's like it's a beautiful and dark magic. So it's it, it it's Arthur Lee was a real motherfucker, um, and I didn't understand. Well, I kind of understood that he was a real motherfucker because he was like locked up in the eighties. You know, he was in jail, well, yeah, yeah. and so so I so I knew, and I think it was for a gun for gun possession, and yeah, he was shooting always shooting a gun in the area. Guns. Yeah, shooting a gun. In yeah, the yeah. Area. He he was always fucking around with guns. So. There's that darkness of him, right? But then there's that magic of the music, especially where you, especially on Forever Changes, which is the quintessential right. love record and what everyone like fucking fawns over. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. David yeah. Frick will talk yeah, about it for yeah, wax poetic. Days, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but um, but so it's like the mad, the magic. It's a dark. It's a black and white magic mm-hmm. he was black which is also interesting that this is like in the, the you know in the flower flower power age this black dude made some of the most psych beautiful orchestral uh um psychedelic music right. ever um and his ties to hendrix um um arguably the most important person of the, of the flower power age, uh, important uh, musician. And so, and then just the way, and just all the little anecdotal stuff of how I came to discover them. It just, and just the power of those first three records. And I'm going to leave it at that. That is why well, I love them. Well, yeah. And why you know, I love love. Yeah. And he came, he was born in Memphis, which could fuel a lot of that kind of, anger and darkness that does kind of come out because not the most friendly town to african-americans is memphis Tennessee back in the 40s and 50s um and then you know moving out to los angeles where he really um kind of stuck on his own in the, the you know stuck you know put his went out and became part of the the los angeles uh, flower scene and really through that band kind of brought into the folk like took the folk rock thing to the next level um yeah it's like it's it's a really kind of kooky story about how they kind of kind of emerged because this is a band that where he was obviously the total package someone who could play multiple instruments could write a great song had a almost a johnny mathis kind of voice to him to himself and but also, it's hard to take, you know, the other guys in the band kind of disappeared when he sang. I mean, he just was like, he was, he would attract a lot of attention. He was a great lead man. 
And I think like that kind of combination of just like, yeah, it's, it's a, there's a lot of tumultuousness with Arthur Lee and, you know, to your point of like, they did three albums. Yeah. I mean, he, the, the guy had had to have so much in the tank, but it was, I don't know if it's a bit of success happening too quickly or him wanting more control or what, but like after the, the, the second album, was it Decapo? Is that, mm -hmm. it's yeah, start, that's the second album. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's, they started to go kind of downhill a little bit to the point where I think when Love Forever, they were talking about, it was such at a, the band was such at, uh, in, bad, in a bad way that they had, uh, they were gonna record Arthur Lee's songs with Session Man and then the guitarist, um, Brian McLean's song with Session People, Keep It Separate, which I think they did on a couple songs, and then they brought, they said, well, we can bring it together and, and do it, which, for, which was fortunate for the album, because I think that kind of cohesion shines through uh, for the band. Yeah, he was a mercurial kind of guy, man. Like, he, like, I mean, there's that famous story, I guess. Uh, so the drummer, um, the English guy, I think his name was... Oh, um, jeez. Michael Stewart. So he wrote, he was this, he wasn't the original drummer. I think he might have jumped on on the, the Capitol record yeah, yeah. Some, somewhere in that period. He wrote a book called Behind the Scenes, The Pegasus Carousel, which, by the way, to me is the book about Arthur Lee and love. It's, it's such a, it's a well-written, great book. Uh -huh. Um, I borrowed it from someone uh, years ago, like 20 years ago, and then I fucking lost it. And the dude is pissed off at me forever. He'll never forgive me for losing the book because it's like out of print. so. It, yeah, it's it's uh, it's out of print and stuff. So, but whatever. In the book, he tells a story. He tells a story in the book about um, being at their that sort of communal home that all the love members lived in, and I guess Jim Morrison came over to hang out he you know basically everyone in la worshipped arthur lee and love like they right. were like that was the that was the centerpiece band and i guess morrison came over to to party and he did a bunch of acid and then he like fucking took his clothes off was swimming in a pool in the back and and arthur lee was like who the fuck is this asshole and like got mad and, and kicked them out of the house and the funny thing is, like Morrison, like worshipped Lee, and then Lee yeah. winds up kicking him, kicking him out of the house, and then like the doors became massive, and love never really did. So it's just like a funny, like kind of well, uh, you know, sort of reverse, uh, um, you know, destinies, you know. But um, that's the thing about Arthur Lee. I mean, and there's another story where he would just like fucking smoke hash openly on commercial flights like when they would fly to like vegas or reno or, or wherever right. to play shows he would like to start fucking smoking hash like right in the middle of the flight like so this guy didn't give two shits was you know kind of nuts and kind of like had a temp had a real temper and he was a big dude like a tall yeah you know african-american dude and and i think it just like that was too much for people and it was definitely too much for his for the band members because they couldn't work with him really and and so that's why you had all those lineup changes and that's like when like after they he made they made the first three records self-titled the capo forever changes which in my book or as a band you can never 
Right. It's hard to ever top that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then and then he, it was just like an aimless thing after that where he's making a you know for sale with different guys and and then and then false start and uh and all these other records that kind of like with different people and it was really inconsistent uh songs and results and then he got locked up and then he you know it's so it it, i I don't know it's not a typical rock and roll story but the sort of like downside of rock and roll and ego and stuff is there and that that's why i think they weren't as big as they could have been well, yeah, but you know, the, the funny thing is, is that it could also be a timing issue, too, because they did set the, they kind of opened the door, pun intended, for the doors. So mm-hmm. they, and maybe, and that, you know, their music, I mean, the, the you could see, the, obviously, the inspiration, especially in the first two albums of the doors to love. Um, but, you know, they became wildly popular. And I, how much of that is it because the timing, how much of that is based on race? You know, how, what is the, what is the reasons for it? Because here he was, he was very brash and not in a mm-hmm. more in a, in a more menacing way. Um, mm-hmm. And wasn't as, um, you know, that, that was, I, the, maybe it was confusing too, because here's this guy, like if you didn't see him or didn't see them, didn't see him or watch him live, it's like these beautiful songs with these, these kind of real, glistening or orchestral stuff going on um and beautiful you know just like really well crafted songs and lyrics that were just you know beyond poignant and captivating i mean they were just really they would capture your imagination and tell a very clear story but you know and from a very um very clear um, just none of the songs that I've, you know, that's that we've been listening, you put on the playlist and whatnot, and I have a list too. They're not opaque. They're very clear about what he's trying to say in each of these messages and songs. So I don't know if it's, you know, those things really play because it's, even if after three albums, you think that there would have been something else left in the, you know, left for them. And I, you know, we can get into what broke up the band because, you know, they had their greatest success with, you know, forever changes, mm-hmm. and that's and then McLean leaves the band. I think later became got like he get converted or something like that. I think yeah, he he made like Christian he made Christian music after that. Yeah, yeah. But what do you, I yeah. mean? Why do you think that they didn't kind of rise above? Because even when they were with forever changes, they were bigger in the UK and Europe than they were in the states. I mean, it could have been a lack of label support. I mean, you know, you made the point like the door, they opened up the door, the door for the doors and maybe the label saw the doors like really, you know, happening and they, and they saw, and I'm almost positive they saw love as a sort of pain in the ass, like a difficult artist. And maybe they just wasn't that motivation to help those guys out. I mean, it's a wonderful just juxtaposition to think about just how street uh arthur lee was and then like so that sort of street personality of his and then juxtapose that against this beautiful psych orchestral psych music that he made and I, i i think maybe it was a little bit too ahead of its time dude even like the sort of guitar playing on seven and seven is yeah it's kind of proto-punk if you think about it and 
I, to me, I feel like that was in 1966 or whatever year. Of, uh, yeah, I think yeah. that was in 66. I think that might have been a little bit too um, too heady, you know, for for uh, yeah. hippie hippie flower power audiences, and and you know, and and like I said, and then Arthur Lee's sort of menacing vibe. I just can't. I think they just thought of it as too heavy, even though in in my book, it's some of the most beautiful music in the world. It's just. I, I don't know. I, I think it was misunderstood, and I think it needed decades of uh, reassessment to for it to be really appreciated. I mean, I came to them much later. Obviously, I was born during their, even by the, the sort of, I was born after their high point, and and I didn't come to them until the '80s, you know. Right, and, right, and I'm right, sure right. a lot. And I and I, and I yeah, yeah. when I talk to I, other people, they tell me the same thing. They yeah. came to it later in life. Much later for me, yeah. I mean, and I, I feel yeah. like that's, a, and I feel like that, that is the reason. That's part of the, the, the those are factors into why they were not big at the time when they were making those records. Right. Do you um, so what's your thoughts on the albums that came after the first three, like For Sale Out Here and False Start? They have there's always there's always a song um, or two and sometimes three that I like. But there's always something like kind of goofy or too folk rocky or too or just not that qua- that consistent quality that those first three well, records had. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah. And, and like I like, for example, that record uh, where there's like a baby, like a fetus on the cover that it's kind of I'm trying to remember the name of that record. I, I'm spacing out. But like there's a few like cool R&B song, like more R&B songs on there. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, there's in, there's interesting stuff, and I and I've actually purchased some of those records over the years just because they were on the cheap side, and and I need you know I'm such a love fanatic, I just wanted them, but it, it, they don't they do not uh, measure up to the first three records, they just don't. And, well, and it was an inconsistency in band members and like lineups, and maybe there was an inconsistency in his mental state. You know, he probably was imbi- you know bitter about right. not having had the success of the doors or or whatever other bands from the you know from la like the birds or right. whatever other bands and so you know who the fuck knows then he got locked up it's just like it's crazy well it's also you know i think you're you made a really good point about that the inconsistency because on the first three albums there there was a, there, a cohesion of a band mm. and that's right and, and, and that stands out where it seems like you i'm not saying that the ones after that are slapdash but they're just not as they don't seem like they were put. To, they they don't have the vibe, and each the the as a, all the songs together don't seem. They don't. It's not an interesting listen. It's kind of a. It's they have some interesting songs, but like to, as a whole album, it's just not there. Especially if you're comparing it to the first two, because you got your expectation. Like, well, this is what this band can deliver. But like you said, that's it. After after that. It, 
it stopped being kind of a band. It started being Arthur Lee and supporting musicians. Players, yeah. And players, the, the, right. The, the, thing with, the thing with good albums or, or, or great albums is that they're always based on a batch of songs. So, and the batch of songs, it's almost like, I would, I don't want to say they're, con it's a conceptual thing, but right. it kind of is. It's like, the, it's like a, it's like a good story. Like the first song leads into the second song, into the third song, into the fourth song. And there's a cohesion there. It's a complete story. Right. And, and I, and he, he definitely had that, um, on the first three records. It was a, a co cohesive batch of songs on each record even on the second record where like uh one side to kappa which is a bit more experimental like there's like the one side of the record is right. like one song and even there there was a cohesive part even though he right. kind of stretches out on the second side um but when when you don't when you're when that cohesive single batch is gone and it's not there right then it's then you're really just trying too hard I experienced this uh, when I was running TP. Uh, there were certain records I made where I heard the six or seven songs together on a demo or whatever, and I was like, that's it. Those are the six or seven. That's going to be a really good record. Right. But then there were other records where I made where I was where I was like, oh, there's one song here that's pretty good. That's, a, I mean, that's an okay song. And then I knew we were going to be trying hard to pull a batch of songs together to make a good record. Right, right. And, and, that, and that's... And I think that's what uh, that's what love suffered from. And then you take in all the other factors that meant yeah. the mental state, the drugs, people right. leaving, inconsistent lineups, no support yep. from the label, changing times, uh, changing directions, changing, you know, uh, I, I don't know. But it doesn't even matter in a way because he was he made such he made those three unbelievable records right right and and that and and that is why they're in my top five uh, it's just that work it stands alone yeah and against and against anything and the fact that it's been able to be reassessed over the decades into now uh friggin five decades later you know it's amazing that it still holds up and almost gets better Right. It's like it's it yeah. just keeps it keeps maturing and getting better and people understand it. The way so the way I came to them the first time, love. Um and and I know I'm 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 going on and on here, but I'll just keep no, going. No, 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 you're on a it's, you're on I, a roll, buddy. It, keep going. I'm on a roll. <laughs> In nineteen eighty seven I was watching MTV, I think. Yeah, I think I was watching MTV. And the dam and I and the damned came on, a damned video. And it was shot in that like style of like uh, spaghetti westerns with the widescreen and right, stuff. Right. And it's in a desert. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fucking good. And all of a sudden, it's alone again. Or, and but I didn't know that. I didn't know. I was like, what song is this? It. This is an amazing song. Is this? Wait a minute. Is this their song? What? I don't. It, maybe it is. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden the VJ came on. I don't remember who it was. And they were like, "Oh, this is that's the Dam's new single. It's their co their cover version of the Arthur Lee classic, Alone Again." Or, and I'm like, "What? Lo Arthur Lee? Love? Who? What?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then boom, I they just shot me into a rabbit hole. And then, not only that, but then I it sort of forced me to tap into this 
sort of little like underground river that was happening right in front of me. So in all these like underground uh, music magazines and fanzines like uh, Forced Exposure or whatever like garage stuff, garage because like garage kind of was uh, sort of uh, psychedelic garage right. revival was happening in the 80s. Um, like once I started to tap into this little underground river of all that stuff, I started to see love mentioned everywhere. Right. Everywhere. Forever changes. Decapo. And I was like, whoa. And so as the de- as the 80s turned into the 90s, I just kept going back to love. And then, you know, I bought like a copy of Forever Changes on CD. I would go to the Green Door parties in in Manhattan that uh, the D-Generation guys would put together. I would hear alone again or uh, you know on like at a club night or i would hear it on i would hear like someone play all of forever changes on a jukebox and it just kept being there you know what i mean it was right. always there and it and it just kept getting better till till i realized this is one of the best bands and inform and it essentially informs almost everything i listen to right yeah and, and there you go yeah that was nice and you know they uh i mean i typical like i remember hearing uh love songs when i because i had an am radio so their songs would sneak in on the solid gold uh station occasionally because mm-hmm. i was the only one that came in really good so um but i got reintroduced or kind of re-looked into it i was listening to um when i lived in los angeles i used to listen to henry rollins's harmony in my head show um, uh-huh. and he did he put the song uh somebody's watching you off five string uh serenade and uh, you know, I was—it was just real simple song, but just beautiful singing and what the or you know, just the the, the way the song was kind of uh, put together was just it. I it was captivating. So I went and bought that out. Like the n- next day, I went to Amoeba and bought it, um, and then started doing a little bit of a dive onto the older stuff. But it was like when I mean older stuff, like I went to like reel to reel. Um, and then, that's the album with the fetus on the cover, yeah. reel to reel. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta live. What was that song? Sometimes you gotta live or da, 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 da. it's like, it's funny because yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the first song of the album, I think. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. so it, it, you know, that's how I kind of jumped into him, but it's it, like, yeah, it was the same way as like, it was kind of passive listening at first when I was a kid because it would come on, but I didn't really get into it. And then, you know, like we talk about all the time, sometimes you're not ready for stuff. It's a, yeah, and it's better that maybe you wait, listen, you get into it in your late twenties or early thirties or whatever, and or you know when you're early fifties now, it's like diving into their discography. Like me, I didn't, I liked them, but I never, they never inspired a deep dive, and that's I think what for me was the, the uh, the great part of this was like going into all their songs and just kind of listening to these with like clear eyes, clear ears rather, and taking in just how wonderfully this band played together which gives me to a point that i want to bring to you okay do you think brian mclean gets the short shrift when we talk about love because i know you know arthur lee's no doubt the leading figure in the band but i think mclean's like the key component to their success as well i mean he wrote softly to me orange skies alone again or and old man and those are those are really good songs he definitely gets the short end you're right yeah, I mean, I even even I don't acknowledge him as much as I should 
um, but yeah, he definitely gets the short end. Even even in the book uh, that I that I read, the uh, Pegasus Carousel yeah. book, he kind of gets the short end there. Yeah, he he kind of gets he kind of gets the short end there as well. So yeah, that's crazy. I mean, the fact that he wrote alone again, or that's like uh, to me like possibly their best song. Yeah, it's just all, although they have a lot of great songs I, I i don't even know why i said that but it is kind of like their best song in my book well they also do also fair you know if you're looking through a lot of their stuff too they do a lot of covers too yeah the, their cover of hey joe is amazing yeah that, and that Bert, uh Bacharach song is yeah amazing. yeah the little red book yeah, yeah. i mean he does, they, i was you know that's another thing that i don't know i mean it's it's they're a very complicated band it's but it's mm-hmm. something it's something that i think everyone when they're when you listen to the playlist you know, I hope you get an appreciation because this this is a band that was like a juggernaut for the first three albums, and a, led by someone who was a one of a kind sort of talent uh, in in performance, writing, and just uh, you know how he approached his how he approached uh, music. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, this is a fun playlist uh, to jump around in and listen to both from straight up to bottom. We're putting it on shuffle. It's, it, it's given me a lot of pleasure this last couple of weeks. So I hope it does it's, for everyone else too. It's a cornerstone and anyone that's into music, um, you know, especially psychedelic music, it's like, it's something, it's, it's something you should know. And yeah. do, you don't need to go kissing a bunch of frogs to kiss that prince. You just go straight to the prince. <laughs> You don't have to kiss a frog. That's a new. Don't have to kiss a frog. That's that's a new time. Yep, that's I like that. Yeah, I like yep. that. Well, uh, you know, if you want, if you want to hear any uh, hear us cover any musicians, you don't have to kiss us either. You just need to send us an email <laughs> at uh, autoreversepod at gmail.com or hit us up on uh, Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, give us a shoot us a note. We'd love to hear from you and uh, and love the suggestions. So. Until next time. All right. All right, peace.